You're listening to episode 51. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutabo here, your host. I am very excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Ben Settle. Ben, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? I am ready to share whatever you want me to share, as long as it's PG. (laughs) (laughs) Over the past 15 years, Ben has written ads, created email campaigns, and cooked up marketing strategies for clients back when he actually did client work that have collectively earned tens of millions of dollars in sales in extremely competitive markets, so very, very impressive. And um, his methods have actually also gotten rave reviews from um, the world's top a-listers in copywriting, marketing, and design, including people like uh, Brian Kurtz, um, who actually called Ben the gold standard for email. Brian was actually just uh, featured here on this show today. Um, well, I was just doing the interview today, um, so it's going to air probably before Ben. So, um, yeah, check out Brian's episode link in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to have your story here, Ben. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, but before we dive in, maybe just take 30 seconds and tell us who is Ben outside of business. Well, outside of, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I thought of that question. And the reality is, I am always in business so it's kind of hard for me to to answer that i mean i'm just outside of business i'm just like this reclusive guy who lives on the coast and who tries to keep to himself in business i'm loud and obnoxious and rambunctious (laughs) it's like two different personalities dual personality eh? watch out (laughs) yeah i i think that would be accurate right that's great um man how long have you been in full-time business for yourself uh, full times of we're going on almost twelve years, but I mean I've been doing what I do since two thousand two. But two thousand summer two thousand five is when I finally branched out full time. Right, that's a that's a that's a little while. So congratulations. Um, you can't you couldn't have stayed that long if you weren't having good success, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. Um, talk to us about your core revenue streams at the moment in your business today. Well, the main one is a print newsletter called Email Players, and I send this out once a month to, well, as of now, over 500 people, and I teach email marketing, email copywriting specifically, how to sell with email. I talk about other things sometimes, too, but that's the main thing. Uh, Me and two other guys are about to very soon launch a product in the Gulf niche which would be interesting and that'll probably dwarf what i'm doing with email players i also have a bunch of books on kindle 
and I do some speaking and whenever I get a chance I like to go out and speak and that sort of thing but but those would be the main things that I do right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's great and um, I'll dig more into your story uh, as well but uh, just walk us through those early days how did the journey start as an entrepreneur for you were you out of corporate did you, you know did you out of high school or how did that happen for you well it was it was actually a, a day or two before I graduated college and this is late 90s like 1998 um I was. I knew I didn't want to have to have a job forever. I just. I don't like authority. I don't like people barking orders at me. I don't. I don't like any of that. Probably like a lot of your listeners. Mm. And you know, I knew I'd have to get a job or whatever. But I was like, I was just in that mindset. And I was watching TV, and this infomercial came on from this guy named Kevin Trudeau. Now, Kevin Trudeau is serving a ten-year prison sentence about now, I think. So, you know, it tells you this is going. But he really was—he was like the infomercial guy, especially back then. He was brilliant at infomercials. And I was watching this this infomercial he was doing called Financial Freedom, and it didn't really say it was multi-level marketing, but you could kind of figure it out. But I I sent away for the information, I got it, and then I put eight hundred dollars on a credit card. I that I didn't really have and I shouldn't have done and I got into this network marketing thing he was doing and I proceeded to suck out loud at it for the next two or three years to the point where I was in so much debt and just didn't have any cash flow whatsoever that I I lived in a a small two room office not even like an apartment or anything just just an office that I could afford it was kind of depressing because I was sitting there handing these cassette tapes out door to door to business owners trying to get them in the business and all that. And nothing was working. I was just really not that good at network marketing. And what product and, are you marketing at this point, Ben? Um, it was, I, was, I was marketing the, the opportunity, but the opportunity was selling like health stuff, health supplements and that sort of thing. Yep. They're no longer in this, this company went out of business a long time ago. But So anyway, I, I did that. I was starting, I mean, it was really depressing. I mean, just rejection after rejection. It's just like nothing was working. I'm living in this office, whatever. One day I'm laying on the on the floor of this office, and it was 3 a.m., because I, I had no furniture or anything. There's no shower there or anything. In fact, what I used to do is, because I didn't want the landlord to know I was living there, I'd have to get up around 4 a.m. before he got there, around 5 or 6, and go down to the gym down the street so I could play basketball for a couple hours and take a shower there, then come back like as if I'm just coming in for the day. So it wasn't exactly the ideal situation. But I'm laying there like 3 a.m. one day, and I'm just like, God, you obviously don't want me doing this network marketing stuff. You, I'm just, This isn't for me. You know, I don't know what what I should do. I have no clue. This is really depressing. I just put two years of my life in this and put a lot, got a lot of debt for this, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I got up. I just couldn't sleep. I went to my bookshelf, and I, I picked this book up that I had read a couple times before because it intrigued me, but never really thought much of it. It was called The Seven Lost Secrets of Success by this guy named Joe Vitale. The book is about this old-school uh, marketing advertising guy named Bruce Barton. And back in the early to mid-1900s, Bruce Barton was like a household name in America. Nobody knows who he is anymore, but back then, he was a household name. And he was just known in the business community, the advertising community. The second B in the giant BBDO ad agency is, is his, is because, you know, for Barton. Um, he was he was like an open enemy of FDR. He was just pro-business and every, I mean, he's just a very controversial guy in other ways. Ran for Congress. Well, well-known guy in the Wall Street and all that. Anyway, 1919, right after World War One, this this out-of-work sales manager came to him looking for help on how to find a job. And apparently this guy had a talent for writing sales letters specifically. That was his specialty. So Bruce Barton, this is in the book, so Bruce Barton takes him to the window and says, you're supposed to be good at writing sales letters. Look at all these buildings, all these 
buildings out here. They all have companies inside. Why don't you go write them a letter on why they should hire you? And like everything just like stopped for me at that point. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. everybody hold on, you know, talking to myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I learned this thing called sales letters and copywriting, which I didn't really know much about at the time. And it became a rabbit hole, and I've been doing this ever since. Wow. Um, very, very interesting story. Now, I actually heard you um, share part of your story. And um, how would you interpret your early years in terms of what you got out of those um, times in network marketing? What was the best thing you got out of it? Well, you know, they did send a book of the month, which was that book was one of them. And those books did help shape my mindset a lot. You know, I was just not a very confident guy growing up, especially, you know, even into my early 20s. Very timid. uh, Didn't know anything about selling or persuasion or any of that. And while a lot of the stuff those books taught really didn't turn out, you know, to be very useful, some of it did. And just the mindset stuff, it really did help get my mind on straight about some things. And it got me reading and wanting to be more successful and that and, and encourage, encourage me to long. I mean, those MLM things aren't all bad. I mean, they have some rallies and all this that actually get you kind of pumped up and uh, get you wanting to be successful. I mean, you know, there's, those, there's kind of a cult-like feeling to some of those companies. But in a way, I did get a lot of value out of, out of the sales training and that sort of thing. So, yeah, again, it got me, if nothing else, it got me, it made me realize how much I hated face-to-face selling and was more receptive to copywriting at that point. So I, I, yeah. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. I asked you that because a matter man was asking me recently saying, hey, how did you go with your network marketing? Because I spent about three years um, in a telecoms business. And, um, and I said, look, what I got, the mindset was really the personal development, just that whole process of the discipline and, and just dealing with the phone and the rejection. And that's something my background is accounting and finance. And that's something we're never taught. I would have never picked that up anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, so I loved it, and and it, it and it's great. I know people like Robert Kiyosaki recommend it as a way to to break that fear and to get into that, you know, get the sales training, which you're not going to get um, in most other places. So, so very interesting. Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to ask you then. <clears throat> so you you've started out now. You you've figured out that you, you know you might want to go into into this route, and you've you've spent many years not successful in marketing you know the the network marketing route so what what did you do initially to to get you launched and how did you start to grow your business um, from that point well i probably did it the wrong way i it was weird i I got it when i started researching sales letters and copywriting and that sort of thing there was something about the idea of trying to get client work that bothered me i don't know why i I just again maybe it's that authority i don't know so my very several the first several projects i did i worked just on commission in other words i would write the sales letter and i'd get paid a percentage of the sales that those letters brought in the first five or six those people never paid me a dime but it but it didn't matter because it got me working it got me doing everything it got me learning things it got me it just, I don't know, it, it, was, it was a good experience regardless because it got me pieces from my portfolio and all that. Uh, a year, a couple years into it, I ran into my friend Michael Senoff, who's become a good friend of mine. And he, him and I did a, a similar deal where I would write the ad, he'd send it to his list, and we would split it 50-50. Those sales letters made me a lot of money at that time, like helped me pay off all my debts and all that sort of thing, helped me... Just I don't know. It, was just, it just really helped <laughs> all that stuff, and it forced me to get good at this because if I hadn't gotten good at it, I wouldn't have made any or very much money, and 
you know, luckily it got me studying this stuff hard and taking it seriously and not not buying into the nonsense that, that's circulating out there. Back then, it wasn't quite as bad as, as it is now. Now there's so much marketing and copywriting and all this. It's like a glut of it out there, and it's hard to just tell what's right and what's good and what's not. Back then, there wasn't that much out there, so in a way, I was lucky. I was lucky I was broke, and I was lucky that I didn't have a lot of options for learning because it made me take the few things I did have and go through them at a very deep level as opposed to a very shallow level like most people do. Now, your first um, work didn't succeed based on some of what I've read about your story. What changed yeah. in your strategy and, and how, how has that evolved? Well, I just kept working at this. You know, I just kept trying to make myself better. I, I kept studying it. You know, I was never really good at getting clients back in those days. It, it amazes me. I just was talking to this girl uh, last week who's been in this business for six she's been a freelance copywriter for six months and she already did her first hundred thousand dollars in fees and i'm thinking oh my god it took me you know <laughs> four or five years to finally make a hundred thousand dollars at this and you know i see i see how that works but the, the problem is, is people who get really good at getting clients often don't get really good at the actual craft and so it catches up to them i was the opposite like, I could do it, but I couldn't get clients to save my life at the, at the beginning, which is why I'm glad I ran into Michael Senoff and some other people who I could do these contingency deals with because those actually paid more than fees would, but it took longer to get going. So I don't know which is better. You know, I guess if I had to do it over, I would want to get better at getting clients and then try to get my skill level up as fast as possible. I think I did it the wrong way <laughs> the more I think about it. And when, when did your business model shift into what you have today? Oh, uh, it was uh, 2011. Um, I had uh, I had this I had this friend who was in the weight loss niche, and he had figured out a way to use EasyArticles.com to make like a seventy thousand dollar a year income. Now that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but he literally did nothing all day. He just had these articles up running on and they would send traffic to his site it was all automated he said he'd spend all day playing with his kids he never really worked and i thought well if and he had no affiliates and no back-end product none of that and i said well what if i did what he's doing in another market but actually know what i'm doing <laughs> as far yeah. as like getting a back-end sale and so i picked the prostate market people have prostate problems i, I had an ebook I, I followed his system which was a lot of work it took like a month and a half of just like sleepless nights like literally 20 hour days where you're kind of living in this like f haze of like almost hallucinating from lack of sleep and that sort of thing but i got it going and i started seeing some sales i wouldn't i'd only needed like five or six sales a day to actually you know get a good start going i was starting to see like two or three sales a day pretty much on autopilot i'd done all this work decided i was still doing i was also hired by this other company to write all their sales letters and emails sort of like i get paid a percentage of the sales plus a base so i was doing all their work i was doing all my bensettle.com stuff at the time i was publishing an, another a different print newsletter and writing daily emails and all this so i was working a lot of doing a lot of work you know just juggling a lot of stuff so i needed to just take a break so i went and i, I visited my dad who lived in tucson arizona at the time for a week and everything was going fine and then toward the end of that vacation google decided to slap article directories meaning that they there was so much like nonsense on the article directories that google decided those weren't worth ranking very high in the search engines anymore so all those sales that i was making went to zero all the stuff i did with those articles to be ranked on page one for certain keywords all went to like page 10 and it was like i might as well not have done anything it was like all that work for nothing well, 
it turns out, though, a couple months later, I got the idea for what I, my print newsletter about email marketing. And uh, had I not gone through that like failure, I don't think I would have actually thought about doing this. Well, a few months before that adventure, the very last week of 2010, so like the week before Christmas and New Year's, I remember making a, a business plan. My goal was to be out of client work, so just selling my own stuff by the end of 2011. Well, when I launched my print newsletter, it went so well that I actually made that goal six months early. So that's when everything pretty much changed. It's like I haven't done a, any client work except one time, and that was for a friend since then. So, you know, I, I don't really have much to complain about, man. I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy these days and, and have been, and hopefully it stays this way because I love it. Yeah, well, congratulations on that success. Um, so, so walk me through what is your, what did you launch back then and what, what does it look like now? Well, I launched Email Players, which is my print newsletter, and uh, it doesn't look any different as far as the product, um, but I have way more subscribers now, and mm. I, have, I have things in place like, like one-click upsells and that sort of thing that I didn't have back then, which has made a huge difference in sales. I mean, one of the easiest things someone can do is just add a one-click upsell, which almost any shopping cart will do for you. So if they buy product A, they get a chance to just click yes or no to product B, and it's just automatically added, and, and they're charged for it. It's, it's like it's like saying, do you want fries with that? You know, it's the easiest thing yeah. in the world. And it sounds like so basic, but it's amazing to me how many years I went without doing that, and I'm like kicking myself because that was a lot of lost revenue. Right. And so you 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 you're teaching people how to what? I teach people how to sell with email. So email copywriting, email marketing, that sort of thing. That that's what the newsletter is about. I mean, I talk about other stuff too sometimes, but that's the main gist of it. And and why print? You know, that, it's weird because when I first had the idea to do this, everybody said it would not work, that you have to s deliver it via email or else there's a disconnect, which never made sense to me because that's like copywriters saying they never use the phone to get clients and that they only, can only send a sales letter through the mail. You know? Email is a very – it, I love email, obviously. I love it. But it's a very cheap medium. It's not – it doesn't have a very high perceived value. I don't think anything digitally delivered really does have a very high perceived value. I mean, there might be some exceptions, but for the most part. Print is a whole different thing. It's very intimate. People bring – there's been studies done where people say they bring – it's shown that most people bring their direct mail in to the bathroom and the bedroom, like the most intimate rooms in the house. There you are with them. Mm. When, when, whenever you get like a Skype message or a text message or an email, that sort of thing, oftentimes your brain will deliver you like a little dopamine drip. To like it feels good. It's like oh, I got, I got. You know, it's a little excitement, right? And that's why people are so addicted to gadgets, or at least one of the reasons. Well, with anything that comes in the snail mail, since it's so rare now, if it's something that you're looking forward to and want, that is amplified like a hundredfold. So there's a psychological aspect to this too that I like. But, uh, you know, it just gives it a higher perceived value. And it's just, you know, if someone's going to pay me $97 a month, I, I think they deserve something physical. You know, I really do. And I've also found that digital buyers, and I'm not saying this is everybody, so I'm not, like, picking on anyone or anything, but overall, in my experience, people who, when I've sold digital products, the, the level, the quality of the customer was way lower than physical product buyers. I don't know if that's across the board for anyone else, but that's been my experience. So to me, it was never even a, a, a choice. I always knew I was going to do it. Mm. How did you um, acquire your first batch of customers? Well, I mean, I had an email list that I've been building since 2003 
or 2002 actually. So, you know, we're looking at whatever that is, nine years at the time. So it was like six or 7,000 people maybe. And I just used my own email methods to launch the product to my list. And, you know, I, I was expecting maybe 15 people to subscribe. I didn't think I'd get very many just because so, nobody had done anything like it before. And, you know, it's just a new thing. I ended up getting like 83 people right up front. And that's why I was able to just get right out of client work after that. I had more than enough money to live on and I could just focus on this. And I haven't looked back since. Isn't it a bit ironic that you're teaching how to sell an email, but you're actually sending out a newsletter? Are you also sending out regular emails like every day or something to, to um, I don't know, bridge that gap? I, I send a daily email to non-buyers, but buyers I don't send email to. I, it's not that I don't think I should or that I, I'm just not motivated, I guess. It's, like, it's so much easier to send something to the printer once a month, send a newsletter to a printer, and stuff an, an offer in the envelope they're already getting than to like, write another email every day. I mean, I want to do other stuff besides write emails all the time. I love email, but one, or, one a day is fine. I don't, I don't need to be like writing 10 emails a day just to make extra sales. I'm not saying people shouldn't, should or shouldn't do that. I mean, there's a lot of money I'm leaving on the table, but to me, it's more than money. It's like I want balance in my life. Yeah. I want to enjoy it. You know, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to own me. I want to own it, and so that's the balance. What What do you see in today's market as the competing, um, oh, the competitor to email marketing for for online um, um, information products or, or people who are marketing products online? You know, it's funny because I don't see anything as a competitor. I see them all as working together. So I see direct mail and I see text messaging and I see a social media and all that working with email. Email is just like a hey, way. I think email to me is the best way to, of getting sales up front. But you can use these other things to make other sales and or build your your audience out. So, like, for example, I have a podcast. I don't look at that as a, a competitor to email. I look at it as something that works together with it. Uh, I, have a, I have a Facebook group, and I, don't, I look at that as something that works in conjunction with my email. Obviously, I use direct mail. That's what I'm using to deliver the product about what I do with email, which makes people want to stay on my email list. So it's all there, it all like works together. So I, I don't really see them as competitors. I, yeah, I almost wish there was a competitor out there that I could rail against, but the reality is I think everything works together. Mm. Now, you've talked about a few things that I want to grab onto, so let me just go one by one if I can. Um, talk to me about the podcast. How is that working for you, and how are you managing to weave that into what you're doing? Well, you know, I actually had a podcast for, what is it, 20, like 27 months or something. I don't know. It was a long time. It was 137 episodes, and then I killed it off last mm-hmm. summer because I tried to turn it into a paid podcast, which worked out great. But I realized that I hate membership sites and I don't want anything to do with them, so I, I just killed it off. I literally just last Sunday, so J- January 1st, relaunched a new one, a new podcast. Okay. And right. yeah, I, I've had, I, it's, I don't know how you attract this like to sales, but I have had many people say, well, I heard you first on your podcast and now I'm a, a customer. So to me, the, the, I love a podcast. I, I don't even do a podcast for the money or anything. I do it because it's like therapy. I get to rant and I get to talk about this stuff and, and I get to just do it to a captive audience. <laughs> even if it's just talking to myself, it would be fine. I just yeah. like doing it. And it just, it's just, but it works perfect. It looks great, you know, in the overall scheme of what I'm trying to do. It works. It just has its place. So you're not interviewing, you're sharing your, your words of wisdom. 
Yeah, I, I did in my old podcast. I did very few interviews, maybe less than five the entire over two years. This time, I don't intend to do any interviews. It's just it's just me and the microphone, and you know that's just how I prefer to do it. I, you know, a lot of shows out there interview based, and that's great. But mine is I'm such a mic hog that <laughs> they're just like I just got stuff to say, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I just uh, I just don't want to interview people, you know. But yeah. not this time, at least. Um, what's your growth strategy at the moment? You know, here's the, here's the, I've been having this, I've been reading this book called No by a guy named Jim Camp. It's called No, the only negotiation system you need for work and home. And it, it had me thinking differently about goals. So I don't know if this is the same as what you mean by, by growth, what I'm trying to do to grow, but here's, this is what I look at. I don't, I don't look at, I don't have goals for like sales I don't have goals for like how many people are going to buy or open my emails or anything like that because I can't control those things. I literally cannot control who buys and who doesn't. So I'm fo- my goals are, and my growth, you know, what I'm focused on is becoming better cop- email copywriter every day, becoming staying consistent, becoming smarter at what I do, learn, looking deeper into what I do, and just becoming better at, at, at my craft. Not only for my own benefit, but so I can teach it to, to people who buy email players. That, thing, that I can control. So in my way of looking at it, and this has been the case for long enough where I, I have no reason not to keep believing it, is if you do the right things long enough, on a consistent basis, everything just kind of falls into place. You do have growth. It'll, you'll, you'll, a lot of people are more focused on, for example, their open rates when they should be focused on writing better emails, which they can control. So if you want growth, just focus on bettering yourself at whatever it is you do every day. Become the best you can at it, and the growth will take care of itself. Mm. Um, do you know, I'm creating... Um a business around because I do I do a little bit of church consultancy and I know you've written a book around um, how to how to um, what is it uh, I forget the title but you've written a book around creating a business from a from a church based perspective so I want to get your thoughts on um, what what do you think you know churches could do when it comes to email marketing or or using emails better because this is kind of the premise of what I want to be building. Yeah, well, the book is called Christian Business Secrets, and I wrote very little of it. It's really just, I interviewed some very smart Christian business people, and I transcribed it, and that's the book. And, yeah. uh, you know, these people are much, much, uh, they had much to say. Let's put it that way. It's a very thick, <laughs> with information book. Um, churches are no different than any other business when it comes to this. They should build an email list, and they should mail it daily with an offer. Now, for a church, probably that would be for donations or something. But, or maybe they should, they have recorded, you know, they record their their sermons and they could sell those, you know. Or I, I guess they have to. Have, I guess if they're going to be nonprofit or whatever, it has. To, they probably want to keep it donation based. But, you know, suggested donations. There was this. There was this church, very controversial church. Um, still are, but not like they used to be because the, the main pastor died a couple few years ago. But he was like the pastor of that church for like a very long time, 40 years or something like that. They're out of this little town in Arkansas called Gravit, Arkansas. It's called Shepherd's Chapel. Now, they are, you talk about a very polarizing church, okay? They, people will love them or they hate them. And I'm not here to like talk doctrine or anything, but I will say this. 
they had, a, they had, I don't know if they still do, but at the time, they had a very brilliant business model. The guy was on TV every day for an hour. He'd teach for an hour out of the Bible, or half hour of the Bible. Then the other half, he'd do questions and answers. Every time he taught, that became content that they could put in their tape catalog. And every Sunday when he did a sermon that was recorded, they put that in the catalog. So they're, they're, what they would do is on TV during halfway through when he was done reading out of the Bible and before Q&A, he would put a commercial in there for, to get their free catalog where you get a free Mark of the Beast tape, like what the Mark of the Beast is. Mm-hmm. It was a great lead generator. I mean, they, they were growing so big. They grew so big and so fast. And they, they, they kept things so simple. There was never, like there's so much they could have done, but they didn't because they just wanted to keep things simple. And they were just a booming organization. It was like probably at the fastest growing church in North America. It's just one of those churches nobody wants to admit exists because <laughs> of the stuff they taught. But I would say if you're going to do that, look up, you know, really look into Shepherd's Chapel and just look at their business model because... I mean, they grew very fast using direct response marketing and kept it very simple. And I mean, I, like I just have never seen anything like that in the church world before. Not that I've seen a lot, but I mean, if you looked into them, you would know what I'm talking about. Like they, they're not like a mega church or anything. They're, they, their church is like a, a converted roller rink in a small Arkansas town that nobody even knows exists, and yet they're like the fastest growing in, in North America and are on TV every day. So yeah. something to think about. Yeah, no, I'll do that. I'll do that. Now back to back to what you're teaching your your students and your your subscribers. Um, what what is the one one or two things um, that are really working well? And you know, actually, before you answer that question, what is the one thing that um, Aussie copywriters um, write that you've got? I saw it somewhere, and I was like, oh, what what is he talking about? Can you tell me? Can, do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, what was the question? You've got on your um, email players uh, sales page okay. um, uh, something about um, Australian copywriters do this well. Oh. oh, Australian, yeah. You know what? I'm a big fan of Australian slang in emails. They have such a unique way of saying things. <laughs> like, you know, like useless is tits on a bowl and poo tickets is what they mean by toilet paper. <laughs> it's just all this weird. It, it has a natural in, ingrained entertainment value to it that makes emails more fun. Now, I don't do it as much as I should, but especially someone who struggles with making their emails interesting and then maybe they sound boring and they don't have a very bombastic personality or anything. Study up on some Australian slang and just pepper it in through an email. Not like, don't overload anybody with it, but just every now and then, it just adds a lot of flavor to something that would normally be plain vanilla. Wow, that's a good tip. And you know, there's um, this one guy that comes to mind. He's actually a a guy called the Barefoot Investor. He's not a copywriter or anything, and, I, and I'm assuming he writes his own stuff. His name is Scott Pape, who I, I follow him quite a bit. Um, and when he writes his copy or his, his his emails, it's just full of you know politics and this and a whole bunch of joking around. But but he's really teaching personal finance. So so I, I totally get what you mean, and it's really entertaining. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. It's called infotainment, where you mix mix information with entertainment. And I believe that's the key to the future of marketing as we know it. Is unless something really weird changes, but people want inform- to be entertained more than they want to be taught. You know, and, and not, nobody will admit it, but yeah. nobody goes home and reads a book. Very few people go home and read. They go home and watch TV, and there's a reason for that. 
So Ben, if somebody is, is maybe launching out or trying to build their email marketing type business or, or convert it to being more effective on email, what are some of the key um, email sequences or, or things that they need to be thinking about to put in their repertoire of emails to send out to their list? Well, I mean, the first thing to do is, is to actually go find a reputable email broadcasting company and have it have your you know create an opt-in page where people willingly give you their email address and don't like try to add people to your list or use your outlook address book or anything like that you know do it by the numbers do it by the books plenty just google email broadcast company and many will show up you know all of them have like a one dollar or free test period so you can just see which interface you are most comfortable with that's the one i would recommend going with once you start building that list you got to mail it daily every day you know talk about something talk about the problem talk about the problems your market has talk about the things that interest them for example right now my dad in town here he has a mole problem in his yard he's got like 40 molehills <laughs> there's nothing you could send him about the topic of moles he wouldn't find interesting mm. so you got to find out like what bothers in your market what what makes them angry what, what are they worried about what do they lie awake at night thinking about what, what gives them insomnia what are they happy about and what, what, what interesting stuff is going on in the world that they would want to know about and just write emails about that and make an offer for what you sell it really is no more complicated than that and just do it every day just show up every day and you'll make sales isn't daily too much no not at all in fact um, put it this way if somebody mails once a month Let's say, let's say two e- people are equal in, in their email copywriting. It doesn't really matter. Who's going to stand out more, the person who mails once a week or the person who mails every day? You know, people think, subcon- like, first of all, the people procrastinate anyway, and they really need daily. Daily contact is very important. But besides that, if you were claiming to be an expert at something or a leader, I think it's more important to position yourself as a leader, but let's just say an expert. Um, and you don't have something, anything to say, just something to say every day. Are you really the expert you claim to be? I mean, if you're really an expert at something, you should have something to say every day about that thing. And now whether or not you want to have the discipline to do it every day is up to you. But, you know, too, too much. I know a guy who mails four times a day. Like, as long as you're not boring, it doesn't matter. If you're boring, mailing once a year is, is bad. If you're interesting, mailing eight times a day is, is fine. I mean, I know it sounds weird, and I'm not saying to mail eight times a day necessarily, but one a day is, is, is to me, a, a, the sweet spot. Two a day is even better. And three, it will even make you more sales. You just have to be interesting, that's all. Okay, so, so you've done that, and then you, you found the pain point, talk about that in an interesting way, and then make yeah. it offer. Absolutely. You can just tell a story about someone that has the problem that, you're ta- that, that your product solves. By the end of that email, you say, look, if you, if you have this problem, I have a product for that. Check out this link. It could be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be complicated. And what, what is the main thing you've got to be aware of in the construct of the email? What are the key, key one percenters that you can work on? Well, I mean, other than not being boring, which is the sin of all sins, <laughs> like, yeah. I, uh, I think you should plug an offer every day. I think this is huge, and most people don't do it. I think you have to let people know that you're a real business. I'm not saying you got to blatantly shove anything down anyone's throat. That, that's not what I'm saying. But at, by the time they're done reading that email, they should, be, they should know there's something for sale that can improve their life. I really do believe that if you have something of quality to sell, 
and I'm going to assume everyone listening to this has a quality product or will have a quality product when they're ready, then it's your moral and ethical duty to let people know it exists. I mean, I mean, if you have something that's going to help someone, who, who, what good does it do? Who does it help if you just keep it a secret? Right, so I say put an offer in every email. It doesn't again. It do, it, the whole email doesn't have to be selling it, but you should be at least mention it somewhere and give them an opportunity to go buy it. Otherwise, the analogy I use is: imagine you have like this really painful urinary tract infection, right? Where it feels like you're peeing knives out, okay? And uh, you know it hurts, and you're in agony. You're in agonizing pain, and you go to the doctor, and they give you a prescription, and you go to the the pharmacy. But the pharmacy says, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to sell you anything today because I don't want to look like I'm a salesman. <laughs> You're just going to have to read about this problem. You're not going to actually give you your medicine. Like, that's kind of the equivalent of it. I mean, maybe that's a dramatic example, but basically, if you have something worth that's going to improve someone's life, you should let them know it exists every day. It's, it's, your, it's your job. That is your job as a marketer, in my opinion. Yeah, that's great. Um, look, I want to pivot a little bit, and uh, I'll, um, if you can bring the answers quickly then we'll, we'll kind of bleach through this because there's a few questions I want to get through to understand how you operate your business and, and what sort of p- pivot points okay. have taken place so what was your biggest breakthrough moment in your business over the last sort of 12 years or, um, or has that just happened gradually to get to where you are now the biggest one was when I learned the, the power of continuity income like a newsletter or membership site where somebody buys once and they get rebuilt every month that's that's to me is the most solid secure and predictable kind of income there is and it's something i teach people to do because i think it's so important right what about fear of failure did that ever hold you back was there any moment where you felt like you 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 know in your email marketing business where it failed or something didn't really work well and you thought you know you're going to give up or has that ever been an issue for you it's not really a problem for me because i don't see failure as failure it's just a result you know, you do you you try X and it doesn't work. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means it was a result, that that good or bad result. You know, so I don't really look at it that way. I, I don't see failure. Failure to me is like you didn't even try. That would be a failure. You know, that that's more of a failure than you tried and it didn't work. I mean, there's there's someone right now who asked me a question recently. She's like, I want to put my website up using my name in the in the URL, but I'm afraid it's going to fail. And I'm like an idiot. I'm like, nobody cares. It's like, just, you know what? Then do something different. It's irrelevant. Nobody's going to care one way or the other. Just go out there and do stuff and see what happens. See what works. Mm. Um, That's incredible. How how do you rank the following, if at all? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships. Um, I... you know, I, I think faith is is the most important, and I know I know that's a cliche answer, but it's true. I mean, what get, you know, even people who don't believe in God have faith in something, even if it's their own abilities. If you don't have that faith in something, whether whatever it is, then I don't know. I feel sorry for people like that because I don't think that they get very far. You know, so I would put faith first. The other ones could go in. I think friendships are important, but I don't. I think family is more important. I think blood is thicker than water. Uh, I don't remember where all the other ones were, but, sure. but I, you know, they're all at the time. I mean, they're all equally important in their yeah. own way. Mm. I always love to ask this question um, to my guests. Um, I want to understand, give me an example, or give me a quick look into a day in your life when you started um, 
maybe let's say when you started the email marketing business um, in 2011, how did the yeah. day in your life look versus a day in your life today? You know, it's, it's not much different, actually. I get up in the morning. I take my dog out first thing because priorities. I come in. I, I get a big glass of water. I gag down like a ton of like health supplements, which I hope are working, but, you know, or they're just giving me very expensive urine. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I write an email, and then that's the bulk of my, like that, that's the beginning of my day. I just write an email. I send it out. I do some administrative stuff that doesn't take me very long. And then I work on other things. Like right now, I'm writing novels. I'm, I'm editing my fourth novel, I mean. And that takes a lot, a lot of my time each day. And then when I'm done with that, I'll... Because I've written seven novels. Three of them are published, but the last four are still need to be edited and published. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. When I'm not working on novels, it's something else. Maybe it's another project I'm working on or whatever. But that first 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, that's, that's what it looks like. I get up, get some water and some vitamins write an email mm. how long do you, does it take you to do an email oh it could be as little as two or three minutes or as long as 20 30 minutes it just depends but on average probably around 10 minutes do you pre-plan topics that you're going to write about sort of i have i'm always getting ideas constantly throughout the day and so i just email ideas to myself and then when i get to my desktop i put them in a file so when i'm ready to write an email i just look in the file and say oh that looks interesting i'll write about that Hmm. Interesting. Um, do you invest in mentors? And if yes, why? And who are some of those for you? I don't. You know, I don't have any mentors other than informational products I've bought, and I tend to listen to the same things or read the same things over and over and over. Uh, I've just never been big on having an actual mentor. I, I know that's weird. <laughs> Most people would say the opposite, but yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm just a, I'm a lone wolf. You know, I like to work alone. I like to make mistakes and learn that way. And I mean, I'll pay for information to learn from somebody, obviously, but to actually go like mentoring or someone, I, I don't think I've ever done that. You know, I, I don't think I would have very much fun like that. So, mm. just quickly on that, you talked about creating a membership site and. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really <clears throat> enjoy that. What what didn't work well in there? Well, because there was a whole team involved, and it wasn't just me. I like to work solo. So I was having to deal with that. And then the customers were having, I mean, it wasn't their fault. They were, we were having technical problems that during the launch. And, you know, they were coming to me personally when, when there's a support system in place, right? Like, that's what it's there for. Yeah. Yet they were coming to me. They were hunting the other two partners down. It became kind of a nightmare. I, I just was thinking, if this is how it is at 900 members, what's it going to be like when it gets to 9,000? It's just going to be... So I was just like, I just closed it out. It was very profitable, but it just wasn't worth the, the headaches. So I got out of it. Mm. Is it still going with the other partners? No. No, I killed that like the weekend. Right the day after the weekend we launched, I killed it off. I said, we're done with this. <laughs> no more. Interesting. Would you do it differently if you had to do it again? Or would you coach I just some- wouldn't have... I wouldn't have done it, period, if I could do it over. I just, it, it just, it didn't need to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me about your books. Um, you've written a number of books on, I saw on Amazon. What, what, what's kind of the genre of your books? Um, why so many and, you know, where, where can we find them? Well, you know, they could just go to Amazon, type in Ben Settle, or just go to bensettle.com forward slash Kindle. I have it like forward to it, but most of they're basically all business related, other than the three novels I have up there, which are like Twisted Monster books. So 
you know, but they're all business. Like they range from everything from copywriting and selling to positioning and traffic generation to. Uh, I have a book that I recently put up there called Persuasion Secrets of the World's Charismatic, Most Charismatic and Influential Villains, and that's been a big seller. It's about you know persuasion basically, but not persuasion tactics but principles of life that help you be more persuasive based on like villains which has been a very big hit and then of course I have the three novels up there which have nothing to do with business whatsoever but you know I'm not even sure how many books I have up there anymore so it seems like there's quite a few though yeah why books what do they do for you well a lot of it's just content I'd already written and I just repurposed them into very short books so it's not like these are really really long or anything Um, they well, first of all, you know, I make a little bit of money. I, I probably, you know, I don't make a fortune off these books, but I make it's good money. You know, it's not it doesn't hurt, you know, to have it. But it also brings me leads. People go on Amazon, they'll buy one of the books, and then they can find me my website through there, and it brings me leads. Mm. It's interesting because um, about a week and maybe three weeks ago, I got a notification on my Amazon Kindle about somebody I had never heard of, and said, "Hey, you, you looked at podcasting, obviously, which is my." Uh, initial that I play in, um, hey, here's a new book by this person, I can't remember her name, um, and I looked her up, I read the, the free sort of 20, 30 pages, and I went to their website, I checked out what they were offering, I sent them an email, so now they have me on their books, and, and it was very interesting for me because it just came from that Amazon um, feed, so it's, it's interesting how you can generate leads from that, from people who never knew you. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because you didn't even really have to buy the book and you still found them. So I didn't even think about that angle before. But yeah, Amazon Amazon is good to publishers. You know, they really are. It's a good thing. Mm, mm. Fantastic. Well, <clears throat> what is the uh, best way for people to connect with you, Ben? Best way is just to go to bensettle.com. And if you opt into my email list, I will send you the first issue of my email player's newsletter as a PDF. I mean, it's a print newsletter, but I'll send you the PDF for the first issue. There's 24 ways in there to start making more sales with email, like starting right away. Some people have told me they've made thousands, and in one case, tens of thousands of dollars just on that free issue, but it's all yours to use. Um, If you don't want to give me your email address, that's fine. You can just click through to the blog, and there's almost 2,000 pages of blog posts on there, and uh, you know, I have my old podcast, which is over 60 hours of content. I've got the new podcast on there, and I've got another media page. And there's just so much content on there that, uh, you know, you could get lost in there for hours if you wanted. But that's bensettle.com. Amazing. Great. We'll link that up in, in the show notes as well for people to go and jump onto that. Hey, Ben, before I ask my last question, I just want to thank you for, for everything that you're doing in the marketplace. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you. Um, here on the show uh, and so so I'm really grateful that you, you know, spent some time out to really come out and pour out those words of wisdom and just share those stories and inspire somebody here in the Business Generous family on what you're up to and what you're doing and some of the work that you're helping other people do so so thank you so much for that um, oh yeah thank you no worries um, for the last question Ben when all is said and done do you ever think about legacy and if you do what do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why you know, I do think about legacy a lot. Like, I'm, I don't have kids or anything. I'm not married or anything. And I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, I got all this knowledge I would like to leave. To the, yeah. And so I'm actually, you know, I, I liked being a bachelor for so long, but now I'm starting to have second thoughts about that sort of thing. So yeah. that would be my legacy. My legacy would be to pass all this knowledge down to an heir. 
you know, mm-hmm. so that they can go and do even greater, th- way, hopefully way greater things, whatever that may be. Mm. Well, that's good. That's good. And all the best in that. Um, well, <laughs> 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 hey, uh, the Business Insurance family uh, salutes you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with me and Ben. My prayer for you is that you can go and get your hopes up, that you are good enough to go out and live your dreams Head on over to businessgenerals.com for all the show notes. Type in Ben in the search bar and all the notes will come up with everything we've talked about today. That's businessgenerals.com. And to connect with Ben, find him at bensettle.com. It's a great website. It's an unusual site. Uh, so go check it out and, and see how he, he does his thing. It's very, very simple, um, old style. So I love it. Ben, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today, for sharing your story with us. Absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Ah, well, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Thank you. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.